0: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at sportshistorynetwork.com. Welcome to this episode of Tim Coffeen Talks IndyCar and Racing History. During each program, Tim will take you behind the scenes and share stories and memories from his long career in the world of IndyCar competition. With seven championship rings to his credit, Tim not only understands auto racing history, he has lived it. And now, for the most famous words in racing history, Drivers, start your
1: engine. Hi, I'm Tim Coffeen, and we're going to talk about some IndyCar racing history tonight, and that history was Michael Andretti's 1991 Kart IndyCar Championship season, of which I was fortunate to be a team member. A uh, little background on Mike and uh, Newman-Haas racing. Uh, Mike came to NHR at uh, the start of the 89 season. Uh, he'd lost his ride with Krako at the end of 1988. And Mario, his father, uh, was uh, driving for Newman-Haas. And he got together with Paul Newman and Carl Haas. And uh, they got with uh, K. Martin Haviland. And they created the first father-son IndyCar racing team. Mike and Mario were teammates starting in 1989. Uh, I got hired there December 1st, 1988. And I went to work there January 2nd of 89. Uh, Tyler Alexander, uh, he was the team manager. Legendary figure in auto racing. Tyler Alexander was one of the principals uh, with McLaren. He started with Bruce McLaren and Teddy Mayer. And he, Tyler, put the team together uh, from the ground up, starting a new team for Mike. Uh, And you think about starting a racing team. Uh, Mario had a team already and had a crew there, but uh, had to get a a semi truck and outfit it and the pit equipment and uh, all the stuff that it took to run a second car as a championship auto racing team. I call it the three-two-one method. In 1989. Uh, we we had two wins with Mike. Um, we had a lot of uh, frustrating uh, results. Uh, we blew up at Indianapolis, uh, leading the race, and that hurt. Uh, he crashed leading at the Meadowlands. That hurt too. Leading at Elkhart Lake uh, in the fall, he ran out of fuel. He had a 30 second lead, and he ran out of fuel at the bottom of the hill. He couldn't make it up the hill to the checkered flag, and we lost that race. But we ended up third in the points, uh, and it was a learning process, so to speak. Uh, For 1990, uh, we had five wins and five pulls with Mike. We didn't run very good at the Speedway. And uh, the next race, we ran out of fuel on the last lap leading at Milwaukee, and that one really hurt. Like I said, we won five races that year, and you could feel the momentum building going into the 1991 season. But the 1991 season (laughs) – The start was nearly disastrous. We didn't we didn't run very good. Uh, Australia. We were leading the race, the very first race. We traveled first time to Australia, raced overseas. Uh, Mike lost his brakes and crashed with eight laps to go, and he had a he had a sizable lead. Uh, We went to the Long Beach Grand Prix for the next race, and he was running second to Allender Junior. and He was racing hard with Emerson Fittipaldi, and uh, they had a horrific crash in the pits, Fittipaldi and Mike did. Fittipaldi pulled out of his pit in front of him and Mike ran over him, almost got upside down, basically destroyed the car. Uh, We had to go to Phoenix the next week and race there on an oval from the street course and rebuild that car. Never forget, we had boost problems in the final warm-up. We had the wastegates off the car, put them back on. Uh, Mike got the lead at the start of the race. And uh, he led 36 laps that day, but he kept calling in saying that he was losing boost and uh turbo boost and losing power in the engine. Well, we lost power. He went backwards. He ended up fourth. Uh Some people have been happy with that. Nobody was. And then we, afterwards, we found out we'd had the wastegates off the car because of the boost problem. And one of the lines, the boost lines was left loose. And uh, that's why he was losing the turbo pressure. And One of our guys got fired over the deal. The next race, we went to Indianapolis for the 500. And we had a decent month of May. Led half the race, 100 laps. uh, Got a flat during the race and had to come in. Indianapolis in those days, the cars held 40 gallons of fuel. And at the speedway to run the fuel out under green, you had to run 32 laps. And it was about halfway through our fuel stint. He started complaining about a loose condition with the car and he slowed down 20 miles an hour. So we had to bring him in. We found out we had a cut left rear tire. That's why the car was not handling properly. We're lucky we brought him in because it was ready to come off the rim. It didn't have hardly any air left in it. We got beat at the end of the race. He was leading in battling with Rick Mears and Mears got around us and we ran second. It was a real disappointment after leading the race, but we did finish second and got some points. Um, we went on to Milwaukee and finally got to win the next race. And, uh, we went to Portland from Milwaukee and it was one of the most magnificent starts I've ever witnessed. He started in the second row and coming down for the green flag, he drove in between the Penske cars and was leading in turn one and never looked back. Um, it was a, we were on a roll. You could tell the, it was building. We did have some DNFs that come up at Michigan 500 and Meadowlands. We had engine failures and didn't finish the races. Um, uh, he dominated at Toronto the next race and won. We had a third place at Denver, got more points. We we're chasing Bobby Rahal for the championship and we got back in contention. And then Mike Andretti, I mean, he was in his, he was above and beyond, uh, the next three races. In those days, the cart championship. Uh, paid 20 points for a win and one point for leading the most laps in a race and one point for the pole position for the fastest qualifier. So a perfect weekend, you could accumulate 22 points. On well, three races, uh, Vancouver, Meadow, Ohio, and Elkhart Lake, Mike and the team, we got 65 of 66 points. And it put us right there with Bobby Rahal racing for the championship. Uh, two races to go. Uh, one of the biggest things I think that helped us win that championship that year, uh, the previous two years at Nazareth, Pennsylvania, we had very poor showings. It was very disappointing. And, uh, we, I think in 19, in 1989, our first year, I think Mike got lapped four times in a 200 lap race and that just didn't. The next year, I think we were two laps behind and we even got lapped in the Marlboro challenge at Nazareth in 90. So. Um, we went and we had a test at Nazareth, which was going to be key to winning the championship. And, uh, Tony Sicoli, Mario's engineer, he was put in charge of the test and he laid out the, he laid out the test format, the things we were going to test. Mario would test the first day, Mike would test the second day. And, uh, Lola, we got the first, uh, wings, front wings for this test that had curlicues in them, which would funnel air into the tunnels. And Mario saw those wings and he wanted to run them really bad. And Tony Cicali told him, no, Mario, it's on on for day two. You do. You're going to run what you test today and Mike gets to run those tomorrow. When we put that wing on the car the next day, the car started handling a lot better. And then we put what we used to call the Cascade wing on. It was a double flap uh, rear wing and Mike loved that wing. We ran it on both road courses and short ovals. And, uh, we kept, you could, we started picking up time, but he said the car was, he called in on the radio and said the car was pushing. Uh, Tony Sakali had me and Billy Simmons standing in the pit lane. And Tony just told us, he said, put a half a turn in the wing. Don't shut off the motor, Mike. We're going to have some guys here to put wing in the car. We put front wing in the car. He went back out he said, it's better, but it's still pushing. I think it was four or five times he pulled in and we put wing in the car and it got better and better. You could hear him carrying the throttle uh, deeper and deeper into Turn Three at Nazareth. So we left that test confident when we came back that we were two races to go. Nazareth was going to be huge towards winning the championship. Well, we didn't win the race. Uh, Ari Linek won the race. They gambled on uh, pit strategy, and uh, they only made two stops. Uh, Ray Hall and uh, Mike Ray Hall beat us, but he uh, Mike. Mike led the most laps, so he got uh, he got the bonus point for that, and we only lost one point to Ray Hall, uh, which was huge going into the last race at Laguna Seca. So we went to Laguna, we won the Marlboro Challenge. Mears ran out of fuel coming down for the checkered flag, and we got lucky and won that on Saturday. And then on Sunday, Mike uh, he dominated the race. He led every lap. He won the pole. He led every lap. We had a perfect weekend. Um, it was a great finish to a fantastic season, uh, great group of guys. Um, got to share it with my family, uh, my mom, my sister Patty, my sister Tessie, my cousin Joe, my auntie Mel, Uncle Leroy, all their, a lot of their kids were there. And uh, the next day after the race, my mom and my aunt and uncle got on an airplane and went to Hawaii and took a vacation. It was, a, it was the end to a, a, just a dream racing season. The guys that made this happen, my teammates. I want to talk about some of those guys. Uh, Ed Nathman, he was our team manager. Uh, when Ed hired, when I got hired there in '89, uh, we we didn't get along super good at first. Ed and I didn't, but then uh, I think he figured out I wanted to be there and race, and I I saw that Ed was a Ed was a his heart was in the right place too, and he stood up for me a couple times in the team when we had some. Various issues there, and I always appreciated that. Um, He was an engineer when I first went there, and he was also the team manager when Tyler Alexander left. So Ed had a lot of responsibility. He gave up the engineering uh, for the championship. Uh, He was still the team manager and the race strategist in the pits for Mike. Uh, Brian Lyles was the engineer when Mike won the championship. Ed, I remember he used to do the – Fuel mileage. He calculated fuel mileage with a handheld calculator in the pits, and he called the race on the radio to Mike. He he was a pretty smart guy. Ed was didn't always agree with him, but he he was an honest guy, and and uh, his door was always to his office was always open, and I felt he always stood up for the crew. I mean, he he understood it was a lot of work, and uh, he was there for the guys. He was a huge part of our success. Uh, Tom Works was our chief mechanic. Uh, Tom is a native of Chicago. Uh, he was a sports car mechanic. Tom is a Vietnam veteran. Uh, he's a really hard worker, led by example. and He changed the outside front tire. Uh, Trevor Weston. Uh, Trevor was a native of New Zealand. Uh, as, a, as a young kid, he was an apprentice mechanic, and he was a fantastic mechanic. He worked at Lotus in 1978 when Mario uh, won the world championship in Formula One. And he came to us and became our gearbox man, and he fueled during pit stops. Uh, Never met anybody quite like Trevor Weston. He was quite a character. Uh, Him and I were roommates for six years up there sharing an apartment together. And uh, Trev loved to win races and enjoy a couple of cold beers afterwards. Uh, Ray Sorensen. Ray was a local kid from Lake Forest, Illinois. He raced sports cars, and he worked on uh, Walter Payton's sports car team. Uh, Ray came the previous year in 1990 was the first year of the team, but he worked on the test team and then he came, uh, over to work on Mike's car at the start of 91 and he fit right in. Uh, I remember the first time he ever changed a tire in competition was in in the Indianapolis 500 and he was, uh, he was really nervous, but he did a great job. And to this day, he's, he's a very good friend of mine. Uh, Lynn Ostergaard, uh, Lynn was from Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Uh, that was also his first year with the team. Uh, Len raced sports cars when he was younger. He worked in Formula One for Sucker for the, the Fittipaldis. And uh, Len was an excellent mechanic. Uh, Len brought a quiet strength to our team. He, he stayed in the background. He was a quiet guy, but he was an excellent mechanic. And uh, he was uh, vital to our success. Uh, Kenny Seawick, uh, he was a Milwaukee noted. And him and I, we start at the same time at Newman Haas together. Um, He started out as a transporter driver, and he uh, eventually became an assistant team manager there. Uh, Kenny was a Ventonair Jack guy on Mike's car. Uh, Don Texter, he was a transport driver also. He was responsible for the tires there. He took care of all that. He changed the inside rear in the pit stops. Uh, When I think of Don, I always think about Elkhart. Uh, the Elkhart race. It was a critical race getting down towards the end of the year. And Mike was battling, Mike Andretti was battling Al Unser for the lead. And we came in for our first pit stop. And the engine died coming in on the way in. We came in dead stick. Well, the guys did their jobs. We changed the tire, put fuel in the car. And I looked up and Tex had the starter. He went over and got the starter off the wall and started the engine up For the fuelers were done. We never lost the lead. Uh, Tex is a good teammate. Davey Evans. Davey Evans was the longest Carl Haas employee. He came to the United States in 1971 when Carl Haas ran Jackie Stewart and the LM m Lola in the Can-Am series. He was in charge of our engine department, assistant race strategist. Davey would do anything to help the racing team. Uh, I'd call him the public conscience of Newman Haas Racing. No matter whether a guy needed a pat on the back or a kick in the ass, Davey was there. He was a great friend, one of the best teammates I ever had. Mario's guys, we are got to talk about them. Uh, Carl Dean, John Tazonicus, John Billy Simmons, Jimmy Bellini, Brian Ferguson, Donnie Hubble. Colin Duff was a shop foreman, overall crew chief. He was Mario's Jack guy. Uh, we were a team through and through. Uh, they were great guys to work with. And, uh, you know, we all won together. Uh, Carl Bergeron ran our parts department. Uh, he was in charge of the shop when we were on the road. Uh, Carl's a real team player. He was a racer and is a longtime friend. On the front office, we had Marsha Meyer, Sharon Zeke, and Leo Pavladas. They ran the front office, did an outstanding job, and took great care of our crew. Uh, Peter and Mary Lynn Murphy. Uh, they ran the hospitality center on the road. They took great care of us when we were on the road. Uh, words about our owner Carl Haas. Carl was great to work for and very loyal to his people. Um, he gave us what we needed to win. He just expected us to win and you can't ask for uh, Carl's an interesting guy. Uh, I remember at Indianapolis in, in 89, I'm sorry, in 91. We qualified fifth, but we weren't super fast. and we didn't run that good in 1990 at the Speedway. I didn't think with Mike. He never led the race. Uh, we lost a wheel bearing in about 140 laps and he was second or third, but I thought he, you know, Mike, if you give him the horse to ride, he he's, he's going to be up front. And uh, anyway, we we put the race car together uh, for the, the way we used to do it was qualify and use a spare car the second week at Indy for full fuel testing and everything, put the race car back together and then, run it on Saturday, the third day of qualifying. Those days they had four days. We'd run the race car on Saturday with uh, with some fuel in it just to make sure it was ready for carburetion day before the race. Well, Carl walks in the garage when we're getting ready to put the car on the scales and he had a setup sheet in his hand. And uh, rumor has it he won it in a backgammon game with Doug Shearson, who was the owner of the year's previous winner. Well, Carl said, I've got line Dyke setup sheet from last year. Ed Nathman, the team manager, says, let me take a look at that. He called Brian Lyles, our engineer, over and said, well, look, the springs are different. The toes are different. Uh, camber's a little different. It won't hurt to try it. It won last year. So he made some adjustments and we went out and this Saturday we ran the next day and uh, put 25 gallons of fuel in it which is a lot more than you have in when you qualify and we went as fast as we did qualifying so like i said carl was carl was in our corner he 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 give you what it took to win he was a he was a very kind man uh, paul newman he was very supportive of the team i mean there was times he'd show up unannounced at test just to check on how things were going he loved racing he really supported us. Uh, Bernie and Carl were, Bernie and Carl were a great team. Uh, Bernie was very cool and collected. She was a calming influence. Uh, I think she was a great, great partner for Carl. She helped make a lot of key decisions. She was very kind to the crew. Uh, I really enjoyed working for him. Uh, upon reflection, uh, Michael Andretti in 1991. He was one magnificent race car driver. He had eight wins uh, in the Marlboro Challenge. Uh, he won eight pole positions. He led nearly a 1,000 laps. Uh, Allenser Jr. was the second laps led, and he had a little over 200. So he was incredible at starting races. The thing about Mike that I always enjoyed was there was times that him and I didn't speak very much on the course of a weekend i was working on the car and he was driving it but i knew when he got in the car on sunday and got strapped in he was going to give it all back to you he was going to drive the wheels off that thing and when you're a racing mechanic that's all you can ask for uh, it was uh 1991 for me was it, it just after all the years i'd hung around racing and and came to newman haas wanting to win and to win a championship I'll never forget Mike. He went on that uh, ESPN show, that Thursday night program. I think it was Thursday night Thunder. And I asked him uh, after we won the championship, they said, would you trade this for an Indy 500 win? And Mike said, no way. He says, this is winning a championship is the hardest thing to do. And uh, I totally agree with him. It was a great year in my life. I treasure the people that I worked with. And uh, I'll never forget. I'll never forget that year. And I would be remiss if I didn't mention maybe the reason this whole deal happened, and that was Mario Andretti. Carl and Paul may have never gotten together if it hadn't been for him because he was at the forefront of newman haas when it began, and he opened up a seat for his son, which made the opportunity for all of us. And the one thing I learned from Mario, he was our teammate, But technologically, Mario was always pushing the envelope. He was at the forefront. Uh, He was looking for the unfair advantage uh, when it came to technology. And Mario Andretti, to me, it was such a pleasure for me to be able to work with him and his son. It was an honor and American, not an American, an international racing legend and a gentleman. For me to be able to be on that team with him as a, it's a life fulfilling experience, and all I can say is thanks, Mario. I will. Uh, I'll just say that thanks for listening, and uh, we'll uh, we'll have another one here coming up. Hope you're. Uh, I just enjoy doing this. Thanks for listening, and uh, we'll see you later.
0: This podcast is part of the Sports History Network, your headquarters for the yesteryear of your favorite sport. You can learn more at SportsHistoryNetwork.com. Hey there, sports history fan. This is Arnie Chapman, a.k.a. the Football History Dude, and I wanted to thank you for stopping by to listen to another episode here on the Sports History Network. Our podcasters are passionate about uncovering and sharing sports stories from yesteryear. And if you didn't know it already, we have over 30 shows across the network covering all sorts of sports history topics. In fact, Here's a glimpse into one of our awesome podcasts here on the network. Join George Bozica, the president of the PFRA, and myself, John Bozica, each month for the Professional Football Researchers Association official podcast. We'll discuss the history of the game, the many names of the game, and so many different things for you, making the history of football not only entertaining, but fun at the same time as we join you on the Sports History Network on the official PFRA podcast. How about that? I bet you're super hyped to go listen to that new podcast, right? Well, to learn about this show and all the other podcasts on the network, head over to sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Again, that's sportshistorynetwork.com forward slash podcast. Head over there today to find your next favorite sports history podcast.